Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Welcome in everyone to another edition of Finsider Radio. My name is Jake Bendel, and I'm joined by the one, the only Joshua Houts. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to give us a rating if you're in that type of mood. Let us know how you're feeling. Give us your thoughts about how the Dolphins are looking this season. Uh, they had their first scrimmage today on Saturday, so we're going to dive right into that. Uh, but first, Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Jake. Um, you know, lots going on with the Dolphins. Like you said, though, if you're listening to this, please rate, subscribe. Give us that five-star review, and if you ever need to reach out to us, find find us on Twitter. I'm at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z, and Jake, I know he can't even get his at right, but he's at J Mendel, <laughs> M-E-N-D-E-L, 94. So reach out to us at any time. We'll be more than happy to answer your questions. Now let's talk Dolphins football. I don't know when we're going to get to the point of when we can stop saying, like, we're like, oh, my God, the football season's just beginning because it seems like every day, like, even though yesterday I told myself, like, what, there was 18 days left until the start of the regular season. Today was 17 or, you know, what, any day for that matter. It's still kind of, whoa, like, here we are. It, it's I'm not. It's still not kicking in no matter how many drafts I do. Uh, the Miami Dolphins had their first scrimmage yesterday, and um, they were without starting quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, who went out with the intent to play – was out there stretching, uh, but shortly before the uh, scrimmage took place, uh, Brian Flores came up to him. They walked off the field together. Uh, Fitzpatrick learned that his father passed away, so we hope he takes as much time he needs, spends all the time he needs with his family. Our thoughts and prayers are with him, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's really all you can say, and I mean, I have someone that experienced loss like that. I mean, it, it'll never get better, but you just got to take time, and I think Fitzpatrick, you know, I kind of think, that's why I left earlier in the week. I, I think he knew something was up, and you just got to 
let him go out there, take as much time as he needs, and hopefully he's out there sooner than later. Well said, well said. So that meant for the Miami Dolphins, Tua Tagovailoa was leading the first team while Josh Rosen was in charge of the second team. And it seemed like, um, obviously, we're going to get into some things I thought were was a little curious. But first and foremost, uh, Tua was competing against the first team defense and Josh Rosen was competing against the second team defense at Hard Rock Stadium. And Josh Rosen's team won 10 to 6. And that kind of tells you what the offense was looking about, looking like we can kind of get an idea that this was really a, a defensive minded scrimmage that the offense is really still trying to work together. Uh, we heard that Tua was picked off against, uh, picked off by, excuse me, Eric Rowe. Rowe is someone who it just seems like he's been all over the place all training camp. Um, and he's really, when we signed him, or when the Dolphins signed him last year, you kind of thought he'd be a solid number two cornerback, but and all of a sudden he's looking like a legitimate safety. So that's just kind of an interesting career path. And it's really good to see someone like that in that secondary uh, making plays because then you think of the guys, and I'm going to jump around here first, uh, Dolphins, they have Byron Maxwell back there. Byron Jones. Byron Jones. <laughs> There was a time. Maxwell. You, I, I, and we all remember him. We remember him shutting down Antonio Brown. We all remember Byron Maxwell. But thank God he's far away from this team. <laughs> there far, was a far little away. while. And that trade, man, I still think that trade was a steal. But By- Byron Jones, um, he, he looked very sad out there. And more importantly, we were both saying a couple weeks ago how concerned we were about Xavier Howard, you know, coming off that huge contract. He hasn't played since October. And... He was activated off the uh, PUP and the COVID-19 list yesterday. But not only that, he was out there playing in the scrimmage today. He had a, a, fall, a flag, a pass interference, but he also had a nice pass breakup. And that's truly what I am uh, going to take away from that. Because coming in, obviously, it's going to take a little while to get into situations where you're playing at the top of your level all the time. Uh, Brian Flores mentioned conditioning being a huge thing for Xavier Howard. But, I mean, when you hear he's breaking up passes, again, we see that, you know, it's uh, excuse me, Rosen or two and either and played too well, but it's, you know, I'd rather have my cornerbacks making play than them not, you know? Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's so much to touch on here and we know that the opportunity to take that number two quarterback position and really grab that job by the horns, you know, neither of these guys have really done, done what they needed to do to, to take advantage of the situations they're throwing and when Fitzpatrick has been out. So uh, it's going to be a battle. And I mean, I think that's, what's most interesting. We are, we will be two weeks away from the, the first game of the season, you know, tomorrow when we drop this podcast or maybe late tonight. But either way, I mean, that is how close we are to this season. Uh, Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post, he has two at 13 to 23, 119 yards. Uh, that one interception, like you said. And then Josh Rosen was 11 to 24, 143 yards, one touchdown, one interception. So, you know, this is what you kind of expect from this offseason. And I mean, these guys are rusty. This is their first truly live action you know when they got to go out there and, and really hit one another so it's it's not really a surprise to me lots of interesting battles though and again we're two weeks away it's it's just crazy to think about but um you know it's it is what it is and and like brian flores has said all off season long it, it, it's all about the hand they're dealt and the dolphins are doing what they can you don't know if this is just the defense is that far ahead or the defense has looked that good you mentioned xavier howard being back i mean that's huge for that secondary eric rose making plays you know We'll see what happens there with Wade Crum McMillan, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but overall, it just seems like they're slowly progressing. And again, week one's going to be here much sooner than I think a lot of us expect. Yeah, and with that too, you know, you, you kind of mentioned there There are a couple interesting battles here, and that's why I want to bring up the receivers. Uh, Preston Williams dropped a beautiful 
quote unquote, that's what people are calling it, deep ball from Tua. And Josh, is this kind of going to have to be something we start to just, you know, live with? Um, Preston Williams maybe struggling with the drop here or there. Because you think back to last year, yes, he was a rookie. Yes, this is something that can be corrected over time. But with someone's um, volume like Preston Williams, where he's going to have a lot of balls coming his way, are we just going to have to settle with the fact that, hey, you know, occasionally there's going to be a drop and let's just hope it's not on, you know, a game-changing play? Um, Again, this is kind of a might even be a little more on the dramatic end. This is one drop and in, in one scrimmage. Oh, my God, it's under the world. But just based on what we saw last year and just kind of uh, you, you think about the, this type of player and what Preston Williams can be because, you know, as we get closer to the season, he's someone I'm starting to really think can be just a excellent player. But is this going to be a, a thing that we occasionally deal with? You know, we had Jarvis Landry where, all right, we dealt with an occasional 15-yard penalty because he's just so emotional. Is this his uh, situation? I think it is, and when you think back to when the Dolphins passed on Brady Quinn, they drafted Ted Ginn and his family. Remember early on, I mean, yes, Ted Ginn is still playing in the NFL, but, I mean, he had some drop issues. So we're not at the Ted Ginn level, and I think Preston Williams makes those explosive one-on-one plays and can be that true number one wide receiver. You know, you, you I, we throw that out there, and it's cliche to say, but what I think of in a number one wide receiver is a Devontae Parker, a guy that goes out there, and when he's in one-on-one coverage, he uses his dominant body, you know, he uses his physical dominance to go up there get that football any way he can I think Preston Williams is on that same level but with any wide receiver you're going to get these drops I think you're going to see it a little bit more Preston Williams if his rookie season was any indication but um, it it's it's what to be expected and I think again this is going to be something that we see especially early on in the season because again these guys are just getting out there they're just getting those live reps I, I don't play football I'm not in the NFL you know but I can imagine when they go out there when they're one-on-one against you know the Mano mano, you know, going up against the New England Patriots in week one, I think it's going to be, you know, a awakening for both sides and they're going to have to shake off that rust. And when they do, I, I think that's when things will slowly come together. And I think you'll see Preston Williams take that leap in year two. And with that, too, uh, Ricardo Lewis ended up being the lucky guy of the day who caught the touchdown pass from Josh Rosen, the only touchdown of yeah, and our the boy day. Malcolm, our boy Malcolm Perry, right? He, didn't he make a play? Another big, a big uh, reception from Josh Rosen. I think it was 55 yards, I believe. Yep. Malcolm Perry with another deep ball. Yes. Um, and so we, we kind of are starting to put together here. Um, Nick Needham, I think it's uh, interesting to mention that he was playing with the second team there. Um, Malcolm Perry, Ricardo Lewis, both on the second team. Lewis, you know, we can talk about the injuries he's dealing with, but but it seems like the talent is there. Um, when the touchdown was ascribed, I think it was Shad as well who said um, Lewis outjumped and outfought Nick Needham there. Malcolm Perry with the 55-yard deep ball down the middle. And I got to ask you this, Josh. When can we really truly start to be excited about someone like Malcolm Perry? Because the first second I saw this, I really wanted to know, is he playing with the first team? Is he playing with the second team? Because if he's playing for the first, with the first team and catches a 55-yard reception, I'm going to go bananas. I've been trying to say all offseason, all right, let's pump the brakes on this guy. You know, it's going to take a little while. He's a seventh-round pick for a reason. Let's just roll with it. We have a deep wide receiver depth chart. But, you know, you hear about Alan Hearns leaving. You hear about Albert Wilson. Both of those players opted out of the season. Is Malcolm Perry really just going to, you know, spark at the right time, have that opportunity? You know, you hear a lot of stories about how these mid to late round picks, they really just need that opportunity. And sometimes just the way the business operates, it's as the result of an injury. It's the result of somehow a pandemic like uh, the COVID-19. So you have to wonder, I mean, is when can we start getting excited that, hey, is Malcolm Perry fighting for a spot on the first team sooner rather than later? 
I think what, when we really see it all come together is when it's week one against the Patriots. Or, you know, in that in that live regular season when he's going up against another team and we see him go out there and do it then, that's when it's time to get excited. But I think you just kind of see it. And he, I don't want to say Malcolm Perry's built different, but, you know, he, he was at he was in the Navy and he kind of did everything there. I mean, he played quarterback. He played running back. He returned kicks. You know, he's playing wide receiver. I mean, he can do a little bit of everything, and I think he's just built differently. I think he's making the most of his opportunities, and, I mean, you hear it. It's it's kind of every day now, and we don't get to see these training camps, and we would have liked to see a scrimmage, but it sounded like it might have been a snooze fest, to be completely honest. But, you know, we just got to go by the reports from the beat writers and those that do get to attend these practices, and Every day, you know, recently Malcolm Perry is making a big play, and that's what you hope to see from him. So I'm excited. I think we do need to pump the brakes like you've been trying to do all offseason long, but I think the skill set's there, and I think that's what gets fans most excited. I couldn't agree with you more. And um, Jakeem Grant, he was practicing with both the second and first string, first string so that sounds like he's currently the, the fourth wide receiver. Uh, uh, Isaiah Ford, I think, who is currently locked up in that third. Um, it's strange because, you know, I hear these plays about Perry, and it just might be the pizzazz of being that pick. Um, there is a lot of hype around a seven-round pick, which isn't uh, usual. So whenever I read a story, they always say, you know, Isaiah Ford's been good in camp. I think he actually uh, was on the receiving end of a couple couple uh, two slot passes today. But we hear he's playing well, which is great. You know, I, I'm perfectly comfortable with someone like Isaiah Ford being our slot receiver, especially to start the season. But it's just interesting how uh, we don't hear the plays he's making. We just hear that the coaches are impressed with him and, he, and he's doing well. There's no specifics of, of what he's actually doing. For me, I think it comes down to his skill set. I think Isaiah Ford, you know, he's not going to go out there and make those big-time plays that we see with a Malcolm Perry, a guy that has that home run threat. I see Isaiah Ford as one of those guys that plays in the slot. You know, he's a good route runner. He's more of a possession-wide receiver, and I think that's where his skill set translates. So, you know, I, I think this battle is going to go down these next two weeks, and I think Isaiah Ford has to have that inside slot just because he is a veteran, just because he's been around this team. And just because, again, at the end of last season, you know, he really put it all together. We're mentioning these wide receivers. We're mentioning these different camp battles. And I have to ask, you know, we mentioned Nick Needham's now out there and he's battling with Noah Igbenogany. But what do you see happening with this offensive line? And again, we're just hearing these little reports here at training camp. Uh, I mean, is is the doll or the sorry, are the Dolphins really going to go out there and start three rookie offensive linemen? Are they going to start an Austin Jackson at left tackle? Are they going to start Solomon Kinley at right guard? And then they're going to start um, Robert Hunt next to him. Do you foresee that happening? And what do you think of this unit heading into, you know, two weeks away from the season? Because again, if the Dolphins want to have success, if that offensive line is struggling, you know, in scrimmages against the Dolphins defense, what are they going to do in that live game situation? So how do you feel about the offensive line and some of those battles that need to shape up sooner than later? It kind of seems like everything's starting to come together for that offensive line. We actually didn't hear too, too much about it. Um, I heard Tua dealt with a bit of pressure. He was able to kind of step up, walk through it, that type of thing. Um, the one concern, uh, Robert Hunt, who was actually having a pretty strong week, uh, we both were chatting about how we were both a little surprised it was Kinley who was uh, outperforming Hunt and, and really starting to take over one of those starting jobs. We thought only two of these guys at most would be starters to begin the season, but but three is a possibility. However, Hunt um, struggled against um, uh, Emmanuel Ogba on the defensive end uh, during the scrimmage. You have to think at right tackle. Um, he gave up at least one sack. I mean, but outside of that, I don't think I've really seen any other big battle take place. Um, Kinley has kind of established his role. Chris, we have at center. Davenport, I think he kind of 
fell out of favor for the starting job early in the preseason. I think Austin Jackson's really just, he hasn't been, you know, fantastic. And, you know, we know he's a very, very young player. He's 21, just had his 21st birthday. He's a rookie, um, but he's done en- enough to take that left tackle job. So what happens is I think it's down to like a, what, two, uh, three-man battle for the right guard and right tackle position between Jesse Davis, uh, Robert Hunt, and, and Solomon Kinley. That That's kind of the only battle I see really heating up there. Yeah, and I think it might be a good thing that we haven't heard much about it because in years past, you know, you might hear that the Dolphins' offensive line's giving up all this pressure or the defense is having, you know, racked up this many sacks. We're really not hearing that. So maybe the offensive line is finally starting to come together. Um, you know, we're mentioning camp battles, and now we have to transition to something that's near and dear to my heart and kind of huge news as it dropped today because, I mean, I, I don't know what your situation was this morning. I, I was looking after the little ones, but I was kind of keeping track of this, and the Sun Sentinel came out today, and I think it was Omar Kelly early this morning said, yep. you know, the Dolphins could be looking to move Raekwon McMillan, and then it seemed like less than an hour later, this news just broke, and the Miami Dolphins traded Raekwon McMillan to the Las Vegas Raiders, along with a fifth-round draft pick in 2021 in exchange for a fourth-round pick. So I will wait to talk on this because, I mean, Raekwon was near to my heart. But but what are your thoughts on the situation? And then after we both talk about Raekwon, you know, and what we think of the trade, then we'll transition to, you know, who is going to take his snaps in the clubhouse. Nice catch there because I did write Oakland on the rundown. So, so good job you being uh, on your toes. Um, You kind of think about versatility and you think about the players who have been playing well for the Dolphins so far in training camp. Brandon Jones, we've been hearing a lot more of uh, as of late as a very hard hitter, someone who can really play in the box. And, you know, Brian Flores preaches the needs versatility. All these players need to be able to do different things. Um, I believe last year near the end of the season, I didn't think he did too too poorly um i thought mcmillan was a head to pass rush occasionally and i thought he did a pretty uh, decent job all things considered but you just kind of think uh, a couple things here one would the dolphins have gotten more via a comp pick you think if uh he just kind of went out through his contract you have to run, wonder what the salary cap's gonna look like next year of course but uh fourth round pick that's kind of the can or the deal cam wake got which was what a two-year 12 million dollar from deal from the titans uh, for a fourth round pick, but either way, um, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. And then second, uh, just a pick swap is a little upsetting because that that 2017 Miami Dolphins draft class <laughs> is pretty brutal. I mean, Charles Harris, McMillan gone, uh, Tankersley was just cut. Isaac Asiata doesn't even play football anymore. Uh, Godshaw, Godshaw, fifth round pick. He's been pretty awesome. Uh, Isaiah Ford, we just mentioned he's kind of floating around. He could be a big player for the offense this year. And Vincent Taylor, was uh, he he was cut as well. So it's just a little, we can't have a draft like this. We can't be sitting here, Josh, in three years talking about the 2020 draft class, about them being anywhere but in Miami. It, <laughs> we will be in such a mess because of all the picks that have stockpiled because the Dolphins had 20 years of these just brutal, brutal drafts where – what one guy potentially two is going to make it to a second contract that's crazy that's crazy of course you know Vincent Taylor being cut he is still around uh I just mean make it to the second contract with the same team that's something the Dolphins have really struggled with I think Xavier Howard has to be the only one maybe one of the only few in a decade who who got a second contract from the Miami Dolphins yeah and I think a lot of this is you know a testament of what Brian Brian Flores wants 
Yeah, Sorry. I guess so. No, you're good. I think a lot of this is a testament as to what Brian Flores wants to do, and we know he's bringing in his scheme. We know this is year two. So if Raycon McMillan didn't fit that, I mean, I you have to understand it. And people like to say that he was bad in coverage. Well, you look at the Dolphins linebackers, most of them are pretty bad in coverage. So I don't think that that was really what end, ended up making this thing go through. I think, you know, the fact that he could get a draft pick, it, sure. But I think he's one of the better run defenders, and I think for a Dolphins defense who – you know, they've been pretty bad at stopping the run. I mean, I think they're going to miss Raquan McMillan more than many people think. But again, if they weren't going to re-sign him at the end of the season, it makes sense to make the move now. And I bring it up because the Dolphins have two first-round picks, but Mika Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State, I mean, this is probably one of the best linebacker prospects that have come out in, you know, a decade. You know, this is like Luke Kukli type, you know, that elite of a talent at linebacker. He can play coverage. You know, he, he would be the perfect fit. For Brian Flores, people are already trying to garner hype for that. So, you know, if, if you're upgrading Rachel McMillan to Mika Parsons, you know, I'm all for that. But I do like Rachel McMillan. I liked him pre-draft. 24 years old. I, I think he's probably going to be a good fit in Las Vegas. But, again, this is a guy that's a thumper. Two-down run stopper, and it just didn't fit what Brian Flores wanted to do. It hurts me because I, I make this joke before. You know, I got a Larry Tunsil helmet. He got traded the week before. I had a Rachel <laughs> McMillan signed football. My wife got me. Uh, I was – very happy with that. I, I, you know, I always called him Baquan. He was kind of one of my favorite players. He's traded now, so there's no more, you know, love connection other than what I have with Tua. So, uh, good riddance, Ray McMillan. But you're right. If Chris Greer and the Dolphins don't start hitting on some of these draft picks, you know, they're they're going to find themselves, especially Chris Greer, on his way out because you mentioned this poor draft class, and he was at the the front of that. So. We'll see the way everything plays out, but I think the Dolphins could have done a little bit better than, you know, what, what they did because, like you said, they gave up a fifth-round pick, and they're really only moving up a round, you know, by adding in Rachel McMillan, a 24-year-old linebacker. It's it's seems like, you know, there was maybe a little more to it than what, what they're letting out to believe. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight, we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. So, Josh, what can we put into the stock of the fact that uh, McMillan uh, was a great run stopper for sure, but the Dolphins were still horrible, horrible against the run? Is that I, I mean, I just feel like there might be a little bit of gray area there in a sense because you know if you have the best running back in the nfl but you're the worst rushing team in all of football what's the point you know i know that's a little right. bit more dramatic yeah. but it's just you're saying of, if you buy like a, a thing of bananas and they're all got black spots on them but you know they're, they're all spoiled but one's less spoiled so i got you ray mcmillan was you know the best run stopper in the worst unit in football so 
So and and you know I knew I knew you were a big fan of him, so that's another reason I was happy we uh we were potting today. Kyle Van Noy uh, last season ranked nineteenth among uh, edges as a cover man according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, Landon Roberts has had a strong camp, and according to the Miami Herald, the Dolphins absolutely love him. Uh, yeah, I think it really just goes down to that flexibility. I mean, it like I like another example. I mean, do you really want? I'm not making. I think McMillan's a better player than the comparison I'm going to make, but just for the sake of this, do you really want Adam Dunn coming in here bat, batting 197 but hitting like 35 home runs? Again, uh, McMillan's a much better player, but that's just kind of the, you know, you, you need someone who can both hit for power and average to be able to be a linebacker in this NFL. Yeah, that baseball reference went right over my head, but shout out <laughs> to Matt Miller uh, at MattM334. I, I think he kind of threw in my mentions those stats, so I think I I think that's kind of why this all happened. You know, they brought in Landon Roberts. That's a guy that Brian Flores is very familiar with. And then Camus Grigier-Hill from the Philadelphia Eagles, who was very good in coverage. So I think those two guys will, you know, continue to battle this. That'll probably be one of the battles that we watch over the next few weeks. But they'll split Raekwon's snaps. And then, obviously, they're going to have Jerome Baker and Kyle Van Noy. They're going to have a huge role. So we'll see the way it plays out. The Dolphins obviously felt that they were better off, you know, with that pick. So... It is what it is, and as Brian Flores continues to say, you know, it's not just about this year. You know, it's about later down the road. So mm-hmm. who's to say the Dolphins don't have a trick up their sleeve? Uh, no one knows, but it, I, I trust Brian Flores. I trust Chris Greer because, again, they got us too, and as crazy as it sounds, you know, if they made that happen, they made all the moves. That, I mean, they made a lot of moves this offseason that fans can be happy about and be excited about for the future. So uh, and still my faith in them until I have reason not to, but losing Rachel McMillan, in my opinion, is going to hurt that run defense. And it hurts my heart a little bit. I get that. I 100% get that. When we speak about uh, being surprised about someone like Xavier Howard, who did play both Devontae Parker, the reason I don't think was made clear about that, and Kyle Van Noy, who I believe is still dealing with shoulder issue, neither of them played in the scrimmage. To kind of wrap it up here, there were, I mean, it was a busy week for the Dolphins. I mean, they made a trade with the Jets. They made a trade with Adam Gase. They sent Kalen Balazs there for a conditional seventh-round pick. I mean, you just think about how poorly I think uh, Gase's time ended in Miami. The fact that he called them up, probably, I have to assume, and asked, you know, make a trade for Cam Balazs and Balazs being the, or having the troubles, the struggles he has. I mean, it's just a, there's a little poetic humor to the whole situation. And I would have loved to hear that phone call about that trade. Yeah. Do you think it started out with maybe Chris Greer and, and Brian Flores asking if they would do Kalen Balazs for Le'Veon Bell straight up? Do you think maybe that, you know, they threw <laughs> that out there at first and this was kind of where they came to reason. I mean, I take it. All I'd jokes aside, I mean, that, that would have been awesome. I would have done that trade. I mean, it, it doesn't, it seems like he's in the doghouse there. So why wouldn't Adam Gase and his crazy eyes roll Frank or and Caitlin Balaj, you know, <laughs> it's, but you're, you're right. I can't believe it. I mean, and that's why those reports come out, you know, that's why some of these guys, the way these front offices play the media, they do it in such an elegant way. And that was kind of what happened there. They said that they were releasing them, you know, Obviously, the Jets, obviously, Adam Gase felt highly of Kalen Balaj, maybe one of the few people that still do. And uh, it would be so with Miami Dolphins, though, for Kalen Balaj to be like a thousand-yard rusher or something. And, you know, to turn into the next Frank Gore because he mentored under him for all these years. I mean, would that not be the most Miami Dolphins thing while the Dolphins sit here and, you know, don't ha- don't have a running back for another 20 years or some crazy crap? That would be the Dolphins thing to do for sure. 
I think our only saving grace is that they're going to give Adam or Frank Gore enough carries so he'll get his 600 yards on three yards per, per carry, but it's, it'll be like very ugly. And again, no disrespect to Frank Gore. He's getting his done. He's putting it up the stats. It's just you can only, I can only deal with so many three yard runs. So I, I kind of want to start pulling my hair, hair out. Uh, but that, that is, I mean, that is our, the only saving grace because, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell with Kalen Bolage there is just going to keep dropping down the, uh, the stock there uh which is kind of tough because i have it in a fantasy league but uh, i'll digress there so that must mean if balaj is in the picture for the miami dolphins uh running back group miles gaskin he's currently looking like the guy who might be the third running back at this moment i know uh patrick laird was dealing with some injuries and that might just be the difference between the two but people are saying gaskin is running hard and has shown some pretty good vision so far in his second season i mean that's all we've heard is how good Gaskins has looked. I mean, I think we've heard from Alf, Alfredo Artiega of three yards per carry. I think he said that, you know, that one-two punch of Jordan Howard and Matt Burita is really coming together. So I think the Dolphins running backs, again, are much more improved than they were last season. You know, when Ryan Fitzpatrick led this team and, you know, the offensive line is definitely much more improved. So it all starts up front. You know, again, as you get older, you start to realize football is one and lost in the trenches. The Dolphins seem to have, you know, improved on both sides of the ball. We'll see how it translates when the games matter. But again, this podcast is dropping. We are 14 days away from football. Uh, that That's crazy wow. to me. And, I, and, you know, I'm taking in how crazy that is today. And when it's 13 tomorrow, I'm going to be just as, you know, taken back, blown away because it's just, it's crazy, but it's coming and it's exciting. That That's the key here. We're able to sit here. Uh, like we mentioned before, we're going up to two shows a week. There was just so much news coming this weekend. These last couple of days, we wanted to get to it all. And it felt cool to kind of sit here and talk about, you know, the closest thing to a preseason game we're going to have before that Patriots game on September 13th. Be sure I mentioned at the top, Hit that subscribe button if you enjoyed the show. Let us know your thoughts. Give us some feedback. And most importantly, that five-star review. It helps us so much. These are the things that helps keep that podcast going. So we appreciate it so much. Keep the conversation going with us on Twitter. Yell at us about our takes or share share with us some of your own takes. We don't know all the takes until we've heard them all. So be sure to let us know at H-O-U-T-Z or jmendel94. Thank you guys so much for listening. And Josh, as they say, fins up. Fins up, man. Have a good day. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami.